What is the perfect path of awakening? Looking over the many questions, reflecting upon the many inquiries that I've received over the years about the awakening process, essentially, most of them boil down to that question. What is the perfect path of awakening? Or how do people awaken efficiently? Effectively, we want to know that, right? We would like to make the most use of our time, those of us who are on the spiritual awakening path. But it begs the question, what is spiritual awakening? If we look at the word awakening, and this is certainly how I refer to the term, awakening is, its meaning comes from its opposite meanings, to be asleep, right? And what is this to be asleep? What is that really about? What is it that is asleep? And what is it to be asleep? From my experience, the awakening process is an awakening from the sleep of self-absorption. Being trapped in your personal life story, being trapped in a self-absorbed state. So what is the most self-absorbed state you could be in? Probably that would be a, a state of psychopathy or sociopathy, where essentially you don't care about other people. Your only concern is your immediate gratification. Right? It's hard to feel more separate from others than sociopathy or psychopathy. Maybe you'd have to go a little more extreme and toss in a touch of sadism where you enjoy other people's suffering, right? But if we look at the population and the numbers of people that would rank high on sociopathy traits, rank high on psychopathy traits, Machiavellianism and that sort of thing, and those who would well, I guess you get one to 5% depending on the particular culture and the time of that culture in which you looked. Right now, our culture would probably be the United States culture, for example, is probably a higher percentage, four or 5% than it would have been, say, 50 or 100 years ago. It tends to fluctuate. As the number gets higher, people then start to tamp down on it. And, and so that, uh, that it starts to diminish, uh, at least the number of people that make it obvious that they're they're suffering from psychopathy or sociopathy. So we've got that percentage. Then we talk in, we, we toss in, you know, people that have, have a high tendency for sadistic qualities. That's about 1% of the population. So we've got about 1% of the population that would be psycho, that would, would rank high on psychopathy or sociopathy combined with, with sadism, where they actually enjoy other people's suffering. And some of those it's you know, they just enjoy making fun of people. Some of them it's bullying, some of it's raping, some of it's murder, right? It, it can vary the typical way in which they get their fix. But that's maybe the most extreme types of separation or sleep state that we can be in, in general. But how does that apply to most of us? Most of us on the awakening path probably don't rank highly in traits of psychopathy or sociopathy and probably don't rank highly in terms of sadism. So we tend to, if I view the students that I've worked with, the people that I've worked with over the years, there are two personality traits that tend to map onto the awakening populace in general. They just tend to be, people tend to have these common traits and there's exceptions of course, but just generally speaking, they tend to be highly open to experience. 
who, who would be interested in awakening if they weren't open to experiencing something new or different. So that kind of goes without saying that openness to experience is going to be the most common personality trait involved in or, uh, ma that maps onto uh, the population of people that would themselves describe, they would self-describe as being on the awakening path. The other trait that is most common is agreeableness. And agreeableness is essentially your, your desire to please others. Its opposite meaning is a fear of displeasing others. So people that tend to be highly agreeable as a personality trait actually suffer from a kind of a fear of, dis, of, of being viewed as mean or disagreeable or be, a fear of being disliked. And so, so there's a cowardly energy that often maps onto that trait agreeableness, especially when it's at a high level. And we combine that with the openness to experience, which means we're open to alternative points of view. And we combine that with a narrative of oppressor and oppression, oppressor and oppressed, sorry. And uh, we, get, uh, we get oftentimes trapped in what I will describe as false empathy where through this false empathy, we can, we can feel like we're somehow saving the oppressed from the oppressors, and we can look at the oppressors viciously and judge them. And we can also distort whatever behavior that people are partaking in through a narrative to make it seem as if it was malice the intention behind it was malice when it was not. A perfect example of this type of, of misunderstanding is represented by, let's see, bring up the doctor, Dr. Neil Lester, who was on Dr. Phil's show. And he gives a perfect example of of exactly the opposite of awakening. But sometimes we, we have a sense of, we can get a better sense of the path by viewing its exact opposite. And so let's view the exact opposite of the awakening path that this individual may describe as woke, which to me, that term doesn't mean a whole lot, but let's go ahead and watch that video and we'll break it down. So if somebody's culture and somebody's identity becomes a performance, then it's reductive. So if you're reducing, for example, say the civil rights movement to an Afro and you wear that, or you wear dreadlock wigs, you know, that uh, Rastafarians may wear, you do that because it's edgy, because it's cool, but ultimately because it's not you. And you're getting some kind of cultural capital from that by doing it. And, and who's hurt by that? Well, it's not a matter of who's hurt by it, it's who's being disrespected by it. Well, who's being disrespected by it? A then? whole culture of people whose identities are wrapped in whatever you're dressing into and can then take off. I absolutely Racism do. and sexism, you put it on the same level as, as cultural appropriation. That's exactly So if somebody wears their hair like you're wearing it, you put that on the same level as, as racism. Absolutely. Wow. I put that on the same wow. level as white supremacy. All right. Thank you, Dr. Neal, for exposing this this quality within the human being. So if we look at Dr. Neal's ideas, we can see that, that it maximizes the potential to feel disrespected. Like if you wanted a perfect recipe 
to be self-absorbed, to be disrespected constantly, to be stuck in a state of personalizing all of life. This would be the strategy. View any type of respect for another culture where you might actually incorporate that culture into your life as some sort of disrespect. So thus, Dr. Neal's wearing of Dutch braids, which of course comes from Dutch culture, would be cultural appropriation and he's disrespecting Dutch culture now. If you go back to, if you go back to Africa and you were to look at historical pictures of Af they don't wear dreadlocks or Dutch braids. That is a European culture, Northern European culture. I don't believe that Dr. Neil here is intending to disrespect the Dutch. I don't believe that because there's no reason being spiritually generous. There's just simply no reason for me to come to that conclusion. It's clear that he's ignorant of the fact that he's wearing a hairstyle that comes from a Northern European culture, not acknowledging that it is actually not endemic to what he thinks of as his own culture. I don't believe there was any malice in his wearing of the Dutch braid. But he has leveled, or he has, um, in his self-absorption or sleep-like state, he has leveled an accusation against so many, like almost everybody, that you're equivalent to a racist if you appropriate another person's culture or another culture. But if, we, if you were to take a look at anybody walking the planet, you will find that they've incorporated into their style some culture that is not immediately in, that is not historically a part of whatever their bloodline originally was. And that assumes, that assumes that we're all just originated from one bloodline or ethnic lineage. In my case, I've got multiple. I've got German, I've got English, I've got Swedish, and I've got quite a bit of Native American in me, several different Native American cultures in me. So which cultures am I allowed to take from, right? Not to mention I spent about half my life living in Japan and I'm actually far, culture to, far closer to Japanese culture in terms of my feeling uh, than I am to any of those uh, the, the ethnic cultures in which the genetically I've uh, been derived, so to speak, right? So is my teaching of the martial arts Japanese martial arts, cultural appropriation, or is it actually just the most profound respect for that culture? I dedicated half my life to training in the martial arts. More than I started when I was 12, I started with the Japanese martial arts. So 40, almost 40 years of my life, not out of disrespect, but out of a profound respect and love for the culture. And I suspect that most people who eat Mexican food or would cook a taco actually just really love the taco. And maybe it's that simple. Maybe generosity of spirit is a very, very strong, powerful way to move forward in the awakening process. You start with generosity of spirit. And until someone proves to you, making it obvious that they are being disrespectful, and there certainly are such people, we discussed that, you know, that one to 5% 
sociopathy or psychopathy. And of course, that 1% that tends to have the sadistic quality, that 1% may be trying to be disrespectful, right? It's a small percentage of the population. So you might start out with generosity of spirit. That's the way forward. And if you want to go more into self-absorption, if you really want to trap yourself in like the exact opposite direction of the awakening, you'll follow Dr. Neal's example. And we should also acknowledge that on the subconscious mind, maybe the goal, if we have such an inclination, is actually not to awaken, is actually to feel victimized, disrespected, to feel self-righteous, to feel like the savior of society, to feel perpetual disharmony, all in the name of appearing virtuous and in the, in the name of correcting continually everybody around us and trying to control our environment perfectly. If that's your goal, then intersectionality and many of these other concepts that Dr. Neil has woven together is an absolutely ingenious strategy. <laughs>